My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Pastor Caroline Barnett. Born in Sweden, Caroline Olson came to the United States at the age of two and grew up in the inner city of Los Angeles. In 1996, she came to the Dream Center after hearing her family discuss the work that was going on there. And after her visit, Caroline felt God calling her to volunteer at the center. When she was just 18 years old, she and her best friend started the food truck ministry, which was a revolutionary concept at the time, taking food out to the people on a daily basis. It has since grown into a huge outreach that currently feeds over 50,000 people each month. Caroline has an amazing heart for the lost, programs such as the Family Floor and Project Prevention, which is designed to keep kids with their parents rather than allowing the state to separate them, and many, many more programs have all been birthed out of her desire to see no one ever be lost or any families torn apart. Caroline also leads the center's women's ministry, and she does so because she feels it is a God-given mandate to inspire the women of the church to find their God-given passion to change this world. I love it. In 1999, Caroline married Dream Center senior pastor Matthew Barnett, and in 2001, they became the senior pastors of the historic Angelus Temple, giving the Dream Center ministry a much-needed sanctuary. Together, the Angelus Temple and the Dream Center are reaching large numbers of people in Los Angeles and are truly affecting change in an impoverished area of a hurting city where many believe a large church could never exist at all. Pastor Caroline, welcome to Heroes for Her. Thank you for having me, Erin. I love that you're here right now, and I want to just start way back at the beginning. So what was it like? Your family came over. You were two years old. What was it like growing up in the inner city of L.A.? Well, uh, you know, my parents had the American dream, and they came to America in, coming from a, a country where you're so limited in uh, the amount of success you can have in life. Uh, they just saw America as a, full, a country full of opportunities. So we moved here. My parents didn't speak English, so that American dream ended up being a lot harder than they expected. And so uh, that's why we ended up in the inner city of Los Angeles. Uh, I, my mom said it was very easy to spot me out in school because I was typically the only blonde. And um, so... Financially, it was tough growing up, and uh, however, my parents had a real relationship with Jesus. They had their walk with God was something that really inspired me, and something I gleaned from growing up. We were very involved in church growing up, and um, just my parents were very sacrificial when it came to anything regarding God and His house, and so that's something I learned from them. Um, However, growing up in the inner city was not easy; it's really rough. uh, the schools I went to were rough, but it taught me a lot about life, and uh, I actually appreciate all that I learned during that time. However, I hated Los Angeles, and I told God as soon as I was 18, I was leaving Los Angeles. I wanted to be anywhere that seemed a little bit more normal. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. But uh, so, yeah, it was towards the end of my senior year of high school that, you know, I was looking around thinking, okay, what am I really going to do with my life now? Um, everything seemed so empty. And it was then that God radically changed my perspective of 
uh, what I wanted to do. As I was reading the words of Jesus, I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do what Jesus was doing. I want to go out and reach out to the lost. I want to reach out to those who feel like they're too far from God, that they can't come back. And um, so at this time, I had a lot of passion and no outlet for it because I went to a typical church, a great church, but it was typical. It was Sundays and Wednesday nights, and that was it. There was no outreach. And um, I didn't feel that my calling was to preach. I thought my calling was to go out into the world and reach the lost. And so, again, having all this passion and no outlet, I hear about a new place in Los Angeles called the Dream Center. And so I come and take a tour, and the moment I step on the campus, I knew this is it. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. This is going to be my life's work. And at the time, I was only 17 and still had my braces and just ending my senior year of high school. And uh, so I I come to the Dream Center and I attend a church service. And Pastor Matthew Barnett, at the time, he's 22 years of age, leading the church and starting the Dream Center. And uh, so anyways, it was my second time then visiting a church service and as he's telling everybody, before you're seated, turn to the person next to you and greet them and say hello. He jumped off the stage, came straight to me and says, hi, I'm Matthew. Do you want to go out tomorrow night? <laughs> so uh, I smiled big with my shiny braces. I said, sure. So we were supposed to meet that next night. But if you've ever looked at the campus of the Dream Center, we have nine buildings on the property, a couple major parking lots. And so the next night we're supposed to meet and I'm waiting on the main parking lot. He's waiting down down the street, around the corner, on a different parking lot. We both waited about 30 minutes and assumed the other one didn't show up. Um, But because I had just rededicated my life, I think sometimes we can get a little hyper-spiritual. And so I thought that was God protecting me because I knew he had called me to the Dream Center for life, and uh, it would have been weird if I had dated the pastor. And so I didn't say anything about that misdate, and Matthew didn't say anything about that misdate for two and a half years. But after I turned 18 then, I moved in full-time as a missionary volunteer here at the Dream Center. Oh my gosh, so I had no idea that that was the story. So you guys didn't even talk for two and a half years after you both sort of stood each other up? (laughs) Well, not, of course, in church services and when I became his staff, I'd be in staff meetings and we'd say hi, but there was no conversation about the misdate. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love it. I um, And for those that don't know, I mean, I grew up in Anaheim, California, which is like 40 minutes-ish from uh, Los Angeles, downtown LA, and, um, and where the Dream Center is located. But for those that aren't familiar, just quickly, the mission of the Dream Center is to connect broken people to a community of support by offering resources that are free and free services that address immediate and long-term needs in the areas, in three major areas, poverty, addiction, and abuse. So um, there are tons of residential and community outreach programs um, that are focused on trying to find solutions to things like homelessness and hunger and a lack of education that exists in these types of communities. So I had the privilege and the honor of visiting the Dream Center just a few weeks ago and was so inspired by what I saw there because truly, I mean, with everything that they have going on, is a place where miracles are happening daily. And the, the question, I guess, for, for you, and you know, you start as a volunteer, when you began serving there early on, what were some of your volunteer duties, you, you know, initially when you got there and just were getting your feet wet? And then how did that change as, as you became more involved um, as the years went on? So I've been a full-time volunteer here at the Dream Center for 21 years now. And at the time when I came to the Dream Center, I was only two years old. And uh, at the time, we were still kind of chaotic, still trying to figure things out. We had a lot of passion, and our passion made up for our lack of experience. But we all had a heart 
to change the world. And we were all young enough to believe that we could. And uh, so anytime we saw a need, anytime we saw a hurt, we tried to develop something to fix that need. And so most of our programs at the Dream Center was started through our first program, which was Adopt-A-Block. And Matthew had this thought, this vision as he was laying in bed, and he had seen all the hurt around L.A., you know, all the homelessness, all the gang activity, all the uh, drug abuse and um, the homelessness. And he thought, what can be done to fix this? And so with Adopt-A-Block, it initially was just going door-to-door in at-risk neighborhoods, knocking on the door, saying, we're your neighborhood servant. What can we do to help you? And it was through being in the homes of the, the people around uh, the toughest areas of Los Angeles that we found out what the real needs were. What did it look like for a single mother to try to make it? What did it look like for um, just people who had had one battle after another and just kind of ready to give up in life? What did it look like as we were going down the streets of the Skid Row area where we have um, thousands of people living homeless? Um, what does it look like for them? Just talking to them, hearing their stories, hearing how it ended up that they were on the streets. And I can tell you this, there's not one story that doesn't still bring me to tears after 21 years. And there's not one story where I haven't thought, no wonder, no wonder you made the choices you made. No wonder you ended up in your situation. And so um, hearing the stories, hearing the whys gave us the inspiration to think, how can we prevent this? How can we stop this? And okay. So the dream center is a miracle in every way because now, we have over 400,000 square feet of space. It's the former Queen of Angels Hospital. The tallest building on our property is 15 stories high. And so you can imagine, this is a huge financial feat. And all of our programs are free to the, uh, to the people coming through the program. So our recovery program is a full-year program, absolutely free. It's intense. It's beans and rice and Jesus Christ. They're up early. They're in Bible studies. It's They're in church services. It's work therapy, anger management, counseling, GED classes. Um, and each individual's program looks slightly different based on what's going on. But the truth is most root issues are the same root issue. Um, but so just as miraculous as it is that we're able to pay the bills and keep the doors open, um, the fact that we can bring in people this broken and see God change and heal them is just as miraculous you will not believe some of the stories we've heard but the truth is what we've witnessed is that god's word works and his presence works and so that's what gets us so excited about taking on these crazy challenges is because we know how amazing our god is and we know the healer we know the redeemer we know the one who can forgive all and fix all and so because we know this then it makes us bold to go out and take on any challenge that we see See, take on any hurt that we see in our area. Well, and I love hearing you describe that too, because you're talking about taking hurts on and it's not just, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. We hear that phrasing all the time, but actually going into someone's neighborhood, knocking on a door, being invited in, talking with them and building a relationship for the thing that they do need so that you can step in and fulfill that need. It, it reminds me of a story that I've heard you tell a few different times in different interviews and, and things that you've recounted from, from a time long ago when you were in the home of a family and it was a hungry family and you had brought some food. And you described that moment for you, you know, being in their home and seeing how they lived as what you call a trigger. And I'm wondering if you could just describe that for our listeners. It was a moment that you saw something that triggered you and you could not ignore it any longer. So how did that go down? So I truly believe that all of us, every single one of God's children, male and female, have been given a specific assignment to be God's ambassador, his hands and feet, in some way, on some level. Now, granted, all of our lives look different, and what that 
commitment looks like looks different. But God places something specific that breaks your heart so deeply that you can't help but do something about it. Because then you're working out of passion. And God in his goodness, he knows how to keep us excited about life, keep us pushing forward. And we always accomplish more when we're passionate about what we're doing. And so I found myself in that place. Of course, I was passionate about reaching the lost because I had the love of Jesus in me. What Every every one of the Dream Center ministries here uh, would bring anybody to tears. But that doesn't mean we're all meant to do something physically for each and every single one of them. But there's that trigger moment where you're like, aha, this is my this is my lane. This is the part. This is what God made me to do in my lifetime. And so, um, yeah, so I we got a call from a social worker uh, that a family close by needed food. And at the time, the Dream Center had a food bank on campus, but people had to come to us in order to receive. And so I loaded up my car that day and I drove over and it was a dilapidated apartment um, in a very scary neighborhood. And uh, we brought in these boxes of food in to, uh, into the apartment. And this apartment only had couch cushions on the floors that the kids were using as beds. And it was a mom about 25 years old with eight kids. And most of them just in their underwear or diapers. And as soon as we walked in, they started eating the raw zucchini. And I thought, how hungry are these kids? They're willing to eat this raw zucchini. And it was in that moment when I was face to face with a hungry child that I knew I have to do something about this. I can't know this is happening and not do something. Now, granted, my entire life growing up, I'd watched those incredibly sad commercials of kids starving around the world. And they would bring me to tears, but not to action. But it wasn't until I was in the home of a hungry child and I smelled the stench. I felt what it felt like, the fear of that neighborhood. Um, and seeing them face to face, that's when my trigger was pulled and I knew um, this was my passion. And I, I encourage people to, you know, you might not know what your passion is. You might not know what your trigger is, but go try different things. Wait for that aha moment where you're like, this is it. This is what I meant for it. Because even though it'll be something that breaks your heart so deeply, it gives you the greatest joy knowing you're a part of the solution. And, um, and you know, some people say, well, it's the government's job to feed. But the truth is, we're not just there to feed. Um, when the government's given food, they've given food. But when we as the body of Christ bring food, we come with a reason to live, a hope for tomorrow, uh, promises of God, eternal salvation and healing. And so the goal is that the food with the relationship doesn't stop with the food, but we start helping them develop into their 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 God um, given dreams and visions and that they would start living in the abundant life that God planned for them as well. Well, I love that so much. And I think, you know, we live in a culture that has told and us and generations before us and continues to tell the current generation of kids that they should find what they're passionate about. And, you know, you've got to seek your passion and, and what do you feel like you're passionate about and what you want to find those things. And I, I want to bring that up because you used that word a couple of moments ago over and over. It was that thing that, that struck you, that, that passion that you had inside you. And the Latin root for that word actually means suffering. And I've always liked that because it begs the question, not that you would go and find something that would really fill you up and, and, and be that positive thing for you to do, but what is the thing that God made you to suffer for? In, in your case, it's what issue or injustice that you're noticing in the world and being in the home of that hungry family caused your heart to suffer in such a way where you went, I can't, I can't just sit by and do nothing anymore. This might be the problem I was created to solve. Right. And so many times we think if we can't solve the entire problem, there's nothing to do. But the so why would we even work on it? Right. Right. But these mm -hmm. problems, if you look, if you compare the number of Christians around the world and compare them to any injustice, it's remarkable how easy it would be for us to fix it. It just takes all of us doing something. And again, like I said earlier, all of our 
assignments look different in the level of commitment, but we are all called to do something in some way. Absolutely. So after you have this, you know, what you refer to as this trigger moment, you prayed to God about what you saw there. What did God reveal to you after you had that day with that family? I came back to the Dream Center and I said, after, you know, just seeing this need, and I told uh, our leadership, I said, people who are really in need of food have no way of getting to us. We've got to start taking this out into the streets. And we wanted to target families. So we decided to pick the at-risk, the the elementary schools in at-risk neighborhoods, because um, in these areas, it's not like what we typically see in other neighborhoods. People are walking to school and they're getting their kids. They don't have the cars. It's not a line of cars. Uh, picking up their kids. And so you'll see a couple hundred moms waiting outside of the school. And so we thought that was a perfect location to pull up um, to reach a lot of families in their neighborhood. And that way the kids can also uh, get it. We'd also pass out a treat for the kids as they're walking out of the school and they can also help their mom carry the groceries home. What have you noticed in those interactions with, I mean, thousands of families, what are you noticing as, as you guys pull up and, and what sort of purpose is that serving and how are you reaching that larger community? Because, I mean, to receive food is very intimate and it's something that they can bring home that can bless the entire household. What are you noticing in those moments that goes beyond just simply handing over a bag of groceries? Well, you see the relief in the face immediately. And I remember having a moment when we had just started our food um, truck outreach And because at the time, our food bank was facilitating its current need, but now this idea of taking truckloads out into the streets um, meant we had to increase the amount of food we were bringing in. And I just, you know, I had no experience with food ministry before previously, and so I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just amazed by how one contact led me to another, led me to another. And um, But I remember staring out at the line, and it was about 200 families long. And I thought, God, how can I promise this many people food every single week? Because I saw the desperation and I saw the relief that we brought. And I felt God say, Caroline, that's not your job. You show up and I'll provide. And sure enough, 21 years later, God is still providing week in and week out. And we never have to pay for food. He has always provided. And um, the truth is our confidence as we step out in faith and whatever it is God's called us to do is that he wants this done more than us. He's just looking for that point person, that person willing to stand in the gap. And so we've seen so many miracles. And my personal favorite thing to do while I'm out there on a site is just go down the line and offer prayer. We don't force it. We just say, would you like prayer? And 80% of uh, the people in line will say yes. And the number one prayer request is that God would provide work. And it just does something to your faith when you're speaking the promises of God over somebody's life and you're praying and believing with them. And then you come back the next week and see them again. And they come with a praise report and all the other families around here that God is good and God answered that prayer. It's just an exciting way to live your life. I mean, from even just what you're describing in, in the one outreach of, that is the food truck ministry, and there are so many outreach and, and different programs that are that are funded by the Dream Center and supported in the community. How have you changed as a person by stepping out in faith and just trying to do the work that God's called you to? Um, you know, really, it's just every day, the fact that we're open is just such a miracle. And um, again, seeing the lives change because you see it year in and year out and it never gets old. I, you can tell where somebody's at in their one year program by the way that they're carrying themselves. You know, when they first come in, their heads down, their body language says that you're, they're defeated, but you see each month their, their posture starts to change and their head starts to rise. And just witnessing that 
every single year never gets old. And I don't, I don't have one doubt uh, that God is not able to take the most broken of hearts and heal them. And again, you know, I wish it was a little more comfortable as paying the bills here, <laughs> but um, even though every month it's been a miracle and he has sustained it. And so I have no doubt it's really been a trust walk and a faith walk, but it's exciting to know that we have a God who never fails. Amen. I um, I love hearing about that too. And just that God sustains every program every month. It's not that we have that all figured out, but he really can see all of the, the inner workings, the outer workings of everything that needs to be, to happen. And like you said, he just needs willing bodies, people who are, who are open and ready to step out and who will actually do that work. So it's so exciting to talk to you about it. How have you, I've wondered, you know, as you've worked with your husband and then you, you know, you got married a few years into the work you're doing at the Dream Center and you guys, there's so much that that you're a part of together and growing it and then having your your daughter and your son come along and it's really truly at least from the outside become just a family undertaking how has being a part of this from your a family perspective impacted you as a wife and a mom like what does that look like in your day-to-day as a family well of course it's had a change from time to time based on the season um there's and that's what I love to share with people. Like God is just looking for our willingness, whether and what we can freely give in our time, our energy, our resources, our finances, our gifts and talents. And because life is a journey, there's going to be seasons when you can financially give more than others. There's t- seasons when you can give more time than others. Um, there's seasons when you have more strength than others. But if you're just using what you have to give at that time and what that looks like, that's more than enough for us to change this world. And so, um, you know, I was heavily involved before we had our children and I was still out on the streets five days a week up until I was seven months pregnant with our daughter, who is our firstborn. And then from there, I took a step back and um, was home with her for three years uh, before we had our son. And it was a time needed. Now, was I involved with our church? Yes. But I took a step back from the ministry on that end. And um, it was a beautiful time. It doesn't mean that Whatever you start now, you have to completely do uh, at the same level your entire life. And um, then as my kids got older and they were in school and they had more hours in school, then I had more time to give back to the Dream Center again and get back involved. And so, um, again, the expectation to be to live out the will of God for your life, it changes and it's based on the season that you're in. And so um, I feel like we're never perfectly balanced, but I try my best. I feel like it's a constant adjustment you know it's like standing on a board on a can you're just constantly adjusting yourself and I feel like okay if I've been a little bit too busy at the ministry now I'm going to give a little extra time with my family and so my kids love love the ministry my son loves to go on outreaches especially our kids outreach where we do sidewalk Sunday school in the project areas and we just provide an escape for a couple hours and a word from God and some food and he adores going out and um, my daughters always love going on the food truck sites. And as a little girl, she would bring her Barbies out and give them away. And uh, she found so much joy. And, and it's just incredible to see how kids get it. They understand what's happening. And teaching them from a young age the joy of serving others, it's, it's really fun to watch. 
Well, we know that mission all too well over here, but um, I, we really just appreciate that it can be, you know, the family undertaking and not, you know, mom and dad off to work and it's a separate thing. It just, it's nice to be able to know that it's a family goal and it's something that we do to serve our communities and love on people and every member of the family can contribute in whatever way God's calling them to do that. So what is, uh, as we wrap up, I just have one more question. What is upcoming for your work at the Dream Center? What are you guys looking forward to doing in the, couple, in the next few months? Um, well, we are gathering funds now to start a female veterans floor. We started our male female male program about two years ago, and it's running really well. There's a huge need to take care of our veterans, but there is not one program, um, not in LA, and I don't I don't think there's hardly anything in, in the entire United States to help uh, rehabilitate female veterans. So. Um, in this next year, next spring, actually, we are looking to launch our new female veterans program. Um, and then we are, you know, our family floor program. We have such a long waiting list to bring in family, uh, homeless families. There is such a huge need for that. And so we're looking to expand that program as well. And, um, yeah, you, all the programs that are, are strong and have a long waiting list, we're looking to somehow expand. Well, that's awesome. And in a few minutes, as we wrap up, I'm going to give you a chance to just let people, let our listeners know where they can connect with you and find out more about how to get involved, how to give financially, come and serve at the Dream Center. Um, we do something at the end of each episode called The Scoop, and it is three rapid-fire questions. Are you ready for those? Okay. All right. Here we go. So question one, obviously our podcast is called Heroes for Her. We are all about highlighting heroes. When you were a little girl, who was your hero? Um, my mom. She's a very selfless woman. I know that might be a common answer, but she really is. She's such a selfless woman, always putting everybody else above her. Second question, <laughs> what is a piece of advice you've received that has impacted your life in a powerful way? It's okay to want to quit as long as you don't quit. <laughs> Third question. If you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Um, the ability to have eight hours of sleep in three hours. Such a good mom, woman, efficiency. <laughs> like, let me get something done in the quickest amount of time possible and feel so refreshed. Such a good answer. <laughs> Um, Pastor Caroline, thank you so much for being here. One more time, uh, the Dream Center, you online, where is the best place that our listeners can find you and just connect on everything that's going on, all the work you have going? Well, we'd love to have you come visit. If you can personally come and take a tour of the Dream Center, we'd love to have you come and see this place. It's kind of a hard place to explain, and I would love for you to see it in action. Other than that, though, you can go to our website at dreamcenter.org and, um, there, there are ways for you to discover our different programs there. You can also look into becoming on a short-term missions team. We have churches from around the world that come and spend anywhere from three to three days to two weeks with us going out on the streets. If you want to bring a youth group team or come out as a family, you're able to do that, and that's through our short-term missions. Again, applications are online. If you know of somebody who needs help, who needs to go into one of our long-term programs, is struggling with addiction or suicidal attempts, depression, things of that nature, that is called our Dream Center Discipleship Program. Again, applications are online. And of course, there's a button to give if your heart is compelled to help us in doing what we do here in L.A. Awesome. Pastor Caroline, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Erin. It was such a joy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. 
If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely okay. love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at biblebells.com. Just let go.